Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, take two, because our batteries died, so we decided to start this fresh. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. We are into the early base for a lot of folks, including myself. So yeah, I'm enjoying running and some strength coming back in and, you know, squeezing out the last uh, decent weather rides up here in Canada. Tell you what, I forget how much I like strength until I'm sort of back to doing it. And I do very mini strength, but like, holy crap, just a couple weeks of being more consistent with just like the two 20 minutes, uh, 20 minute sessions a week. And I, I feel a difference. Yeah, it's good stuff. I don't know. It's one of those to try and convince folks to do it is tough and not everyone enjoys it. But I think, yeah, there's generally once you get going and you see progress, it's uh, it's a good thing. It's it's addictive in some cases. Yeah. And definitely as a cyclist or runner, like that upper body work, and we talked about this in our cyclocross episode a couple of weeks back, but uh, just having any level of like upper body and core strength going is just such a nice feeling. Like, on the bike you feel better like off the bike you feel better when your kid jumps on you you feel better uh, when a dog jumps on you in our case sure. you feel better uh, sure yeah and, and i think it's this idea that the strength you know maybe isn't a workout and, and i think that's with cyclists and runners that we don't believe that it it counts and I think that's that's a mindset shift, especially as we get into this fall base season, is that it's it's a workout. It's enough if that's all, quote unquote, all you do in the day. And I think that's sometimes where the stress and the exclusion of the strength happens is we start, you know, we, we don't prioritize it in the same way. Yeah. And I, if I recall, you actually were having a conversation about this a few days ago talking about, like, does strength count as an off day? And it's sort of an interesting... Well, that's an exact, like, we're not valuing it as a worker. Like, I think that's a, a perfect example of things that we've probably all done. We put it on the Monday and the Friday because we're not going to bike on those days. Uh, but then you have to ask yourself, like, what are you hoping to get out of of the strengths and it might be fine some days you know i think if you just do some clamshells or something and you know band exercises on the ground it's more akin to a yoga or something like that but if you're pretending like it's your strength training or it is a strength training you know where you're maybe sore and lifting heavier loads uh, you probably want to be careful yeah i'd say like i'm pretty religious about my monday off days like i'll do my morning core and like my morning yoga mini strength whatever you want to call it but if I've had a really heavy weekend, then even that goes away on that Monday or is like very yoga oriented mm -hmm. on that Monday and I skip the push-ups, skip the planks. Now in our consummate athlete store, there's been some rest day, uh, you know, shirts and I saw some sandals or flip-flops. People are really excited about the, this is my rest day sweatshirt. I feel like if you're one of those people who needs the, the reminder to take the rest day, uh, this might be the sweatshirt for you. Uh, just, it. You know, you put it on. It, actually, you know what? Also, if you have like a spouse or a friend who's really bad at the rest days, maybe get this for them and think so. make Chris sure they're Christmas wearing it. Christmas is coming. So there you go. We'll link to that. That's in the shop page at consummateathlete.com. Yes. And uh, yes, we do have very on brand for me sandals that are now in there that uh, just remind you to take off your chamois. So they're the perfect post ride, post cyclocross race sandals. And They'll gift for that friend who spends the rest of the yep. day. 
in yep. the chamois. Exactly. Good reminder. Uh, so yes, you can find that. We'll link to that in the show notes or just go to consummateathlete.com backslash shop and you'll see all of that stuff. Uh, so part of the reason we're mentioning strength kind of right off the bat is because today's episode is how to train for bike packing. So strength is certainly going to sneak in there a little bit. I think so. I mean, I think it's, this is the, you know, how would you train for it? And I, I like these questions and thank you for this question. This is a, a good one. And it's actually very topical. I've had a few bike packers reach out about plans and, and coaching over the last little bit i think this you know bike packing and what it is 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 growing yeah so before we get into how do i train for bike packing let's maybe just start with the broader question of should i train for bike packing and do you mean like do you need to train is that what you're asking yeah so let's assume that the person who's asking this question should i train specifically for bike packing is maybe like a cyclist but hasn't done any bike packing before this um, and we, we kind of talked about this offline a bit. I think the first thing to do is sort of figure out your why for bikepacking, because I think there's obviously a lot of different styles of bikepacking at this point. Some people consider just bike touring where you maybe have like a change of clothes with you, but you're going hotel to hotel. You're not carrying food. You're not carrying sleep stuff with you. People will call that bikepacking. I completely think that that's bikepacking a hundred percent. I am on team hoteling. It is bikepacking. Um, fight me if you want, I guess. Uh, but so we have like that end of the spectrum. We have like tootling along where you're definitely not planning on racking up huge miles, but you're going to be out all day, but you're stopping to smell the roses. You're in, you know, very like chill pace on the bike. Then there's the full on bike, like so call it like self-supported bike packing FKT style where you're doing whatever loop for time, you're no outside support, you're camping, you're, you know, maybe you're stopping at like random restaurants to grab food but you're you're still just completely self you know supported you're carrying everything um they all kind of require different levels of preparedness or training um, but i would say no matter what your why there's always going to be some element of training that's going to make the experience more enjoyable like even if you're tootling along uh, uh you're still probably hauling more than you're used to on your bike. Uh, you're still spending a lot of time in the saddle. So even if your legs are totally ready for it, your soft tissue may very well not be. Uh, and by day two, that could become a pretty major issue. Mm -hmm. On calls, I try and ask people or, you know, I ask myself sometimes, you know, who is this person and what are they trying to do? And I think that's what you're getting at with this. Uh, you know, do you need to train? And then your why is sort of, you know, what are you trying to do here? And that's, you know, if you have this Tour de France cyclist, we have a few examples of these, of, you know, the ex-Tour de France cyclists who are doing these wild bikepacking things. Heck, or during the tour, if you're going to look at Swain Tuft, who would just bike pack down to team camp every year. Sure, sure. And so these are, you know, just, you know, the, the fittest people around. They have tremendous experience. And then maybe they have to figure out a bit of the, you know, they don't have breaks in hotels they don't maybe have massage therapists anymore so there's a bit on the the preparation but the training like do they need to train for it probably not they probably just need to gain experience sleeping outside if that's going to be part of it or you know what bags to use what food agrees with them that sort of thing yeah maybe some slight shifts to the geometry so you'd maybe want to do like a ride on the bike beforehand and then and then i think the other option on the extreme you know sometimes looking at the extreme so that's our tour de france very fit but then maybe inexperienced if they're just coming straight out of you know glamorous tour de france racing you might have someone who's very good with back you know they've done a lot of backpacking they've done a lot of camping they're very handy you know they're 
make their own bags already for some reason, uh, but maybe have never trained for cycling. Maybe they're very inexperienced at cycling. And so for them, maybe following a training plan to get fitter at cycling would be very beneficial. Uh, and, th- and this isn't, you know, in the weeks necessarily before the plan, but it might be this, you know, we're in the fall ahead of your summer. So you're nine, 10, 11 months out, uh, potentially, you know, probably getting better as a cyclist, as you say, is going to make it more, uh, enjoyable, right? It's going to be faster. Maybe you can cover the ground faster or, or, you know, whatever in, in the goal time you have. And, and again, not everyone has an FKT time, but I would say most people need to be back to life in seven days or 10 days or three days, you know, the long weekend. So there's, there's usually some sort of, uh, time limit finish line, uh, for people. Yeah. It's funny. I actually just interviewed, uh, Eddie O'Day for bicycling and we'll link to this one in the show notes. He's, uh, trying to set the, I guess, first FKT because it hasn't been ridden before on the Eastern divide trail that goes from Nova Scotia down to the, uh, Key West in Florida. And, uh, I was asking him like how long he thought he, he could take or how long, like, you know, how long he thought it was going to take him to do it. And he was like, well, uh, you know, I have about 60 days before, the money runs out and work is going to be pretty mad if I'm not done. Of course, then it gets into the, but would you really not finish it if you're like a week away uh, at day 60? But yeah, most people have a certain amount of time that they, they can devote to this for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what a wild, you know, adventure, 60 days, right? So I, I don't know. It's one of those things that I think you probably would ride into that, that more, if it's more on the bike touring side of things, you'd probably figure it out. As, as you get going you know what though so he has to do like it's probably 150 to 200 mile days for the most part to do it and he was he said to me like the one of the big things is the ass and seat time as far as training went was that like literal like butt on saddle time was the most valuable thing because that's that's what really starts to go mm-hmm. and so this is you know again it gets into what type of time do you have if we had an ideal setup then for sure you should probably just ride a lot and you know that probably will get you used to it and and this is where i get into sometimes the single speeders you know there's not a lot of single speeders who look for training usually they're out there but usually there's such a vibe in the single speed community of, you know, not trying, but working really hard, but maybe stopping for a drink. And I don't want to stereotype single speeders, but this is, I think built into single speeding, uh, is you just sort of go single speed and smash it. Right. And I think that's, I don't think I'm overstepping what single speeding is. And I think bikepacking implicit in bikepacking is a sort of just adventurous. You like to go spur of the moment. So sometimes it is, you know, I push a lot of folks who do reach out for coaching, not to not sell my coaching, but sometimes it's it, when people are wired up like that, they're better suited to maybe follow a plan perhaps. Um, but as you say, maybe, you know, they just go on adventures on the weekend and, uh, you know, refine their gear and that sort of stuff. Uh, although on that note, we actually do have a eight week bikepacking build phase plan that we'll link to in the show notes. If you do want that bit of, uh, just like a little bit of structure, but not, not so much that it feels overwhelming. Well, and you got to it with the sort of time. I think what that plan's getting at is you don't have time necessarily to go out a lot and you do have five more days in the week that you're, that aren't the weekend usually. Uh, so what do you do? And so indeed this one covers off a little bit of strength. It encourages you maybe to do, you know, that last two months, I I think probably tempo, that sort of middle ground stuff, bit of cadence variation, uh, would be nice in there. So indeed that plan has a bit of that. Uh, but then it encourages some weekend adventures, some, you know, you say ass and seat time, maybe some overnight adventures, you know, testing out the camping gear, even just riding half an hour, an hour on the Friday, 
camping and then doing a bigger ride right off the morning and Saturday, I think probably takes care of a lot of the logistics and, you know, how does all the gear work and how does the camping stuff repack and what do you eat and all this I feel like repacking is actually the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. But okay, before we get into the absolute nitty gritty of how to train for this, uh, let's take a quick ad break just to thank our sponsor, Athletic Greens. The AG1 uh, blend is probably one of my favorite things in the world with uh, all of the travel that we have coming up. And honestly, we actually were disagreeing about this if we would bring it bike packing or not. And again, it depends on the the uh, task at hand. But I would say I would bring those travel packs with us if we were going on like a hiking trip at this point because yeah, we are i think so but i think also if it's a 60 day you know bikepacking you know you're going to be breaking down the body i think and you're maybe not going to be eating what we might think of as nutritious food. you might not be able to digest nutritious food so it would be interesting i think you'd want to test it out a little bit and just make sure your body handled but i think it could be a great solution especially for these longer ones when we're out uh, without, you know, great access to food and, you know, fresh vegetables for so long. I think it's probably a great example. Yeah, exactly. So AG1 is not just a greens powder. It has greens in it, has all the good superfoods and adaptogens, but it also has all your vitamins, minerals, probiotics, prebiotics, all the good stuff into one just very tasty scoop. Uh, the the regular athletic greens, you just scoop it into your water in the morning. Then you have handy travel packs for when you are on the road. We have both. We love both. Um, we use it here at home. We use it on the road. We've been uh, on it for almost a year now. And honestly, I, I love it so much. Um, I, I say it has like a papaya vanilla-y vibe to it as far as taste goes. It's definitely the best tasting greens powder that I've, I've found. Um, but it's also the best rated greens powder that I've found. It is NSF certified, which means it has everything in it that it says it has in it and nothing more, uh, which is very important whether or not you're an athlete who's, you know, getting tested. But even if you're just a regular person who prefers not having a lot of random heavy metals in your in your supplements. Um, and what we like about it. It's just that it takes the the decision making out of it. You know, there are so many freaking supplements that you can end up with. Uh, you end up with like a whole fridge full. This is just one scoop once a day and boom, you're done. You're covered. Feels great. Tastes good. I'm into it. Um, yeah. So uh, right now, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. That comes in just like a droplet form. And honestly, that actually tastes weirdly great too. It's it's in an oil because it's vitamin D is fat-soluble and it's got almost like a coconut or not coconut, sorry, cucumber uh, taste to it. Does that make sense? Coconut, I think it's just olive oil, but I like it. Okay. Uh, you also get five free travel packs. So if you do have a bike packing trip coming up, the five free travel packs can come with you. And that comes with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash Molly H. Again, that's athleticgreens.com backslash Molly H to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And we'll include that link over in the show notes. Okay. So back to the actual training so what does what would like an ideal bike packing like week of training look like mm -hmm. i mean this is the fun stuff i guess right and it, again as always it depends but i think if you were starting in the fall we're in september october right now uh you know you're looking towards maybe a summer maybe even let's look at so it doesn't get too long here we'll get into you know spring so when the first sign of good weather long days are nice for bike packing more sun less nighttime i'm not big on nighttime so let's say what is it uh june 24th approximately is the longest day of the year so maybe you're going that again the summer solstice you're going to do this big tour 
So, uh, you know, if we look at it in terms of say three months, three months is a good time. You could do two or three months here, October, November, December. Okay, so this is going to be a general preparation period. So this is where I think you should feel free to do a couple of days of strength. We're all getting older. We know it's beneficial in many, many ways. It, it also helps us get around the, the poor weather days. So I think you can even be a little free with those days and just put them on the days that you can't get outside or you're really busy and you can, you know, a 30 minute hour session uh, in the gym fits. And I mean, strength for bike packing. like when you think about how often you're probably going to end up having to like hoik your bike up a steep climb that you can't make it up with all of your stuff on there. Mm -hmm. Or even this is going to sound silly to people who don't have back issues, but like even like picking up those like panniers off your bike and like setting up your tent. Like I've definitely seen guys going to set up a tent and you know, that, that one lean bend over when they haven't been, uh, you know, sure. bending and lifting. And, and I, I guess that could still happen, but uh, yeah, you're preparing for life or whatever cliche you want to put on that. Uh, but that's it. The bike can weigh 45 pounds, you know, plus or minus. Uh, there can be a lot there. And you've had an experience falling over bike packing because the bike was unexpectedly heavy. Uh, pro tip, if you are climbing on a bike packing trip, I highly recommend not standing up because you will wash yourself out. It will be super embarrassing well, when that's or five minutes into the trip. Maybe with strength training, you can stand up and move that thing side to side. Who knows? Uh, but this is why you train with the gear, by the way, before you head out uh, on the adventure with all your friends who you don't want to embarrass yourself in front of. And then I think, you know, a lot of the stuff I always say, you know, if you're going to bike and, you know, maybe off roads different than road, but probably this general preparation period isn't a lot different than if you were going to do something else. Um, aside from maybe you would do some bike packing or longer gravels or, you know, whatever, when you can with the weather, right? I think we still want to take advantage of those because as we've spoken about a few times you know there's not a lot of time till june 24th 25th especially if you live in an area where there's snow and you can't or won't go bikepacking i know there are some fat biker winter campers out there and you're wild folk uh good on you uh and that's certainly an option once we get into the winter uh to finish off this sort of fall block what else would we do i i would probably be okay with some coordination some sprints something that's just a lot different uh, and that usually is included in a general, you know, early base phase anyhow is some of these sprints or, you know, spin-ups, coordination, high cadence work, uh, I, I don't think. And then you could also go after limiters. So this would be the time of year people are doing a bit more skill work, uh, which I don't think has to be specific to bikepacking. It could be track stands or, you know, whatever, just basic bike skills, we'll call them, uh, is probably well suited this time of year as well. Uh, but as far as intervals or suffering, you know, I don't think I'd go too wild till maybe the new year. So that's fall. I like it. I'm also, you know, I've talked about this probably on this podcast a couple times. I love the like at home bike packing. So you literally like on a weekend, you do a ride with all your gear. And but instead of if you've never used the stuff, like instead of ending up at a campground where you might not have what you need or you realize this doesn't fit or this doesn't fit, you literally are just camping in your backyard or in the like colder months, I'm going to say this would actually be super fun to do if you have like little kids and you have space in a basement or whatever, like literally do an indoor camp out, let the kids set up their tent, you set up yours um, and just do that at home. Like doesn't even need to be outside. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And there's lots of ways, again, the, the winter commuting, winter fat biking, if you're not in a, you know, maybe the cross country skiing, sometimes people will do overnights and different things like that. There's events like that. So you could certainly start planning that into this new year block 
when there's snow and, and there's little things. And I think a lot of folks, if we're going to talk about training for cycling in winter, this is where you might end up on the trainer. And again, I think this phase, we could call this a later base, maybe, you know, in the new year, you're maybe three to six months out from the bike packing still. Still, I don't think it has to load a lot like bikepacking. I would keep the strength training and hopefully you're very adapted and you could even get more specific or sorry, more, you know, heavier, I should say, not specific, but heavier, uh, you know, really be in there strength training if that's something that you're, you're open to and have access to. Uh, but progressing your strength training, whatever it looks like, whether that's changing it up every, you know, six weeks or so, um, going more reps or lower reps, just some sort of variation there, at least in the exercises. And then I would probably start into a pretty classic, you know, some tempo sweet spot, something like that, probably more on the, the harder side of things, because once we get into the the spring, you're going to start lengthening that out into these big, long endurance and tempo workouts. So I'd almost go, you might call it reverse periodization, but it's, it's, you know, going from general to specific. So probably do a bit more intensity in that when you're in the indoor trainer once or twice a week. And then again, trying to get out cross training, hopefully to get just volume, uh, you know, it's sort of what we would expect in base, right? Yeah. Now, any tips on how to prepare for the fact that your bike is going to be a beast? If you are assuming like you're bikepacking, like with your tent and stuff, would you be doing some like lower cadence, higher power or where would you, where would you go in with I, that? I don't think so. I don't think in this phase, I don't think in the January, February, March phase, the three to six months out, um, again, cause we're, we're starting to talk about the year here. Um, I think if you knew that that was a limit or you could certainly go after something like muscle tension, um, which is sort of higher force, you know, higher effort. I prefer to do it higher effort. Some people will do it as, you know, tempo, you know, moderate effort, moderate cadence, you know, 70, um, uh, 70 RPM with a moderate, you know, under threshold type effort. I, I prefer to do it higher. So even just, uh, some people call them stomps or force reps where it's, you're almost starting from very, very low, like a big gear and you're trying to move it. And, and those actually on a trainer go, okay, you can actually stomp it up and it's almost like strength training on the bike. I think that can be interesting if, if you do find that you struggle with low cadence stuff and then you can always lengthen it out and climb more, climb more with your bike packing bike in those last three months uh, is where I would probably go after that. And that is included in that bike packing plan. There is a bit of cadence variation. To be part of that joke, I'd also be practicing the seated climbing. Um, sorry, the the previous point about me falling. Yeah. Well, you, yeah, you're, and I mean, only you're also going to have to stay seated. Just I think from an efficiency standpoint, too, right? You're going to climb seated more. Yeah. So while we normally really suggest standing up, and you still definitely should every couple minutes on the trainer just to give your butt a break, uh, it is probably like if you are trying to think towards bike packing, the the seated climbs, the seated power, like that's what you're going to need more of. So yeah, and that's a controversial thing. I always find that you probably shouldn't stand very much on the train. Like I, I think, as you say, like for to let the pressure off frequent but not like extended sometimes you'll see one and two and ten minutes standing on a trainer and I, I find that just because the bike doesn't move side to side and it's a fair bit of load on the frame now with the direct drives too I, didn't, I just don't know I don't know there's an argument I'm sure but I don't know but that's an aside no I think you're right yeah I'd say the only reason to stand up on it is really just to get the pressure off your your sensitive tissues there but yeah definitely doing the climb seated i think would be helpful so i think because this phase again three to six months out january february march if we're going to do a sort of like a, a spring early summer bike packing i think you're really just getting better at cycling 
Uh, so whatever that means to you is probably good. Some people will swift, some people will fat bike. You know, I think I think it's probably all good. Not nothing to excess. I, I don't think you need to be vomiting or passing out. You know, we keep the rules of coming back again soon. Uh, you know, endurance up to the time you have available. Cross training, I think, is great here. Uh, I don't know, you know, as far as you mentioned, maybe camping in the house, continuing to work on your bags, uh, probably a good time to even work on bike fit. You know, you could put your your bike packing bike on the trainer if it's not already there and, and get a, you know, a bike fit of some type or at least work on the saddle a little bit. That's actually what I was going to say is the contact points. This is where you want to start thinking about the saddle, even the like handlebar tape or grips, depending on what kind of bars you're using, your gloves, mm -hmm. like all that stuff that you could actually like test out for a long period of time because everything feels great for the first day. Uh, that's not oh, most things feel really good the first day, uh, but after a couple days on the bike, you start noticing those like little niggles and stuff. So you mm -hmm. definitely want to like make sure that saddle is like the saddle like broken in comfy like honestly and it could take a few it could take quite a few to find the saddle that's going to be good for those long endurance rides so starting now to try to find that dream saddle if you haven't found it yep yeah and it could be a long journey so yeah start now uh, i think that's that's great and what else what else here i'm trying to think oh so the other piece again specific to this bike packing crew because you're an adventurous crew you know adventurous group is i think you probably want to plan you know once a month we sort of have a long weekend once a month in canada pretty much now uh you know something where you can do something a little big and i'll leave that with you what it is it might just be one you know longer trainer ride three hours four hours you know whatever long is to you don't go wild because again we want you to come back and train soon but towards the end of your blocks you know you're maybe going to take a, a rest week you maybe finish that block off. You maybe just ride Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Maybe there's something a little wild, a challenge of some type. I think this group especially, I think this is a general thing I do with everyone pretty much, you know, on and off. But I think with this group, you probably just want to test in that way a little bit. And you could call it a test or you could just call it like being free to go long. Because this group, I think, is, is the type of group that if you only let them, you know, quote unquote, let them do you know, two by 20 sweet spots and then zone two this for 90 minutes, no more than 90 minutes. Uh, they, they get pretty stir crazy. And then the plan isn't successful, right? Which is the the thing. Can you train for <laughs> bikepacking? I think the bike packers are, you have to think a little bit towards that psychology of it too. For sure. Uh, and then the last thing I'll maybe leave it on is also the dialing in the, the food, because I mean, there is like the very casual bike packer that's eating at Subway or wherever, but if you don't have an iron stomach, um, bike packing can be pretty brutal on your gut. Uh, a lot of days, like you need a lot of calories. Uh, you're not always going to feel super hungry. And this is not to say you should be eating a ton of gels or drinking a ton of like powders sure. or anything. I don't think that's true, but I think knowing even like what are some of the like gas station staples that you can definitely get through? Like our Snickers bars, do they feel good when you eat them on the bike? Um, mm -hmm. You know, maybe actually starting to lean into those, like, you know, what Subway sandwich feels like tasty to eat during a long ride. And I think this is trainable. Uh, I think everyone has their preferences, but we also know in these long things, I know Brooke Smith, uh, have I mentioned him in this one or no? I don't think we, no, ha we have this yet. duplicate recording. So Brooke is an athlete I've worked with in the past and he's gone on to become a pretty elite bike packer. Uh, he has the bang bang bike packing route is a route out of the Toronto area. It goes up north of the city and comes back and it's quite technical. So if you're looking for a challenge more on the mountain bikey side of 
bike packing. He also is the, I think, current FKT holder for the BT700, which is our big bike packing loop in Ontario. He t- spoke about, you know, he's one of these, he stops at Subway, he stops for diner breakfast. He's been on the podcast talking about that, so we won't rehash it. Uh, but he, on his FKT, because of the intensity and just the continuous load, he found that just there was times he couldn't handle anything or it just changed completely and he never could have even predicted like it wasn't what he had on him. So I think you have to be ready for that a little bit too and just try and have enough different options of, of taste profiles. Uh, but but do you think in this this late base, this January, February, March, do you think we can probably be trying a Snickers bar even on the trainer? Um, I think this is the perfect time. Like mm-hmm. I think this is a great time to be trying. And yeah, a like sandwich, you know, sandwich just... on the trainer. Like it's actually a really easy time to try stuff like that. Uh, because I mean, the trainer is actually an awesome way to test weird, like weird foods. You can basically cook yourself a diner breakfast, mm-hmm. or hell, go out for a diner breakfast, and then literally cut, like either ride home or sure. come home and get and on the break, trainer. I think and... for a lot of us, you know, I would I, you said do that, and I was like, well, I need to of course wait before I ride. But I think you're right. This is you need to challenge that. Like you eat the diner breakfast. You know, and then you go. Yeah, and maybe you ride home from the diner breakfast if you, if the weather's suitable or something. Um, and it doesn't have to be a hard ride, but the point is, like, if if that's going to be your thing, if you're going to stop wherever you can for breakfast, like, you guess how you're getting to that restaurant and how you're leaving that restaurant. You're going on bike and you're leaving on bike. So. And I think the key to remember too is, you know, in the bike packing, the nice thing is that your your intensity is going to be lower, right? You just can't possibly ride for that long. So you should be able to handle more. But relatively lower because if you aren't a super seasoned athlete, like carrying that extra, like we said, 45 pounds of bike is still going to be hard no matter how, like, slow quote unquote you're going like i was on that bike packing trip a few years ago and i remember like some of the people were very fit people but they weren't bike fit and they had a rough time with the gear like pulling that much like there were a couple people by this was a press trip so by day two they actually were just putting their panniers in the like van that was meeting us at the campsites because otherwise they were going to have a miserable go of it sure and i think that gets to why we're training for this thing is you know i talked about those two extremes of the tour de france athlete who just doesn't know how to you know cook or carry anything and they figure that out and that's their training you know their focus for the winter is probably you need to go like winter camping and fat biking and and like learn about this you know hire someone to help you with backcountry camping and I, I say that in all seriousness that's me as well uh that's the way into that and that's how they're they should spend their time and money and so this is very much the who are you and what you need to do so if you're telling me you can't pedal a bicycle on the route you're going to do it then we have a fitness we need to you know try and address as best we can slash there's a little bit of equipment maybe lighter or team strategy or whatever but um if, if the goal is to finish the thing, then you need to finish, you know, not everyone can throw panniers in a guide uh, thing, but maybe that first trip is a guided trip and that's getting you around that. Yeah, I think it's, I, I said this actually about like me having raced a hundred miler and then dropping down to an 80K and I kind of underestimated what the 80K was going to feel like, but like hard is hard. Like if you're on the bike pedaling all day for most people, that's hard no matter how easy you're going. Well, and what's interesting, not that you're going to have to think through this, but because it's longer in principle, it should be easier, right? If you're going to finish it, does that make sense? Like 10 seconds is going to be harder than 20 minutes. For sure. 
Um, so, you know, it should, it, it flattens out a lot once you get to like a day, <laughs> you know, two days isn't a lot different than a day. Uh, you sort of just go on forever. But easy is relative. Like we've seen a lot of young athletes like wiped out at training camps that were just like very long days that like you and I are noodling through because we have just years of accumulated volume in our legs. So we can Well, and noodle. it gets to, yeah, I mean, this is getting down a rabbit hole of, you know, they, it probably wasn't done at an easy intensity, but to your point, maybe there'll be hills on this course and you'll have to go hard for a moment. So indeed the fitness is important. That's why we're training. Oh, and uh, last thing on the food, and then I promise I'll shut up and we can wrap this is uh, if you are planning on DIYing and like being very like campy about it, like you're actually like camping, you're doing like the meals in a bag kind of things. I would actually definitely recommend trialing a couple of them and doing like rides after or mm-hmm. just seeing how they go because the salt in them can sometimes be a little rough on the gut if you're not used to them. Well, and I think a great, there's a few people here who, especially during the pandemic, you know, the coffee shops weren't open, so they would bring a little camp stove and they'd stop at a scenic lookout and boil their own coffee. So I think you could do the same thing mid, again, because you have to eat during the ride, because the ride never ends in these cases, you know, bring your cup of soup and, you know, boil it at a scenic lookout and then get right back on and get going again. And what's that feel like? And you can always ease. The nice thing about, I think that's where I was going with intensity is you can roll out from the diner breakfast. You don't have to go straight to threshold. You, you ease into it, you warm up into it, but you're moving. And that's our, our key thing with any endurance race. I try and drive this into for all clients is we do not like zero kilometers an hour when we're trying to, we're in an endurance event. And I think that's, you know, Indeed, you can stop and take a picture in a bikepacking thing, but not in, you know, not in an FKT really, right? Like you, you do, you do need to make it to the finish line. So you don't want to be stopped a lot. So if we can digest while we roll, even if it's at a three quarter speed and then warm up to the full bikepacking speed, I think that's, that's what we're trying to get used to, right? It's just modulating that and dealing with, oh, I feel a little off and then I'm, you know, feeling good. So that's that. So that's anything else on late base. We have, nope, we have to get to the specific phase. Okay. Oh, geez. I forgot there was another phase. Okay. Hit it. Yeah. So specific phase. This is where I think I would point you towards, you know, Matt Katie has bikepacking.ca, I think. There's a great podcast I just learned about. is the Bike Tour Adventure Podcast with Chris. Um, and, and he's a very experienced. He had an FKT. I think the, the BT FKT for a while. Uh, Brooke Smith has been on that. And then we have a few episodes with Brooke Smith and Matt Katie uh, as well. So... Look into those. We'll link into them. And I mean, there's lots of writing online about bikepacking. So I think that's where we're getting into the specific phase. To your point, you know, I think you're going to have to get some button seat time so that we use our Friday, Saturday, Sundays. You know, we maybe take a few extra days off of work here and there ahead of the trip to try and get practice. But again, I think we can also keep these, you know, just fundamentals of good cycling training and be, you know, maybe you look like a gravel racer, but you also do some of these extra long things on the weekend, maybe in, in lieu of, the gravel races. Uh, but I also don't think it's, it's wrong to do some gravel racing in there as well, just to get, you know, some speed really, right. There's some of these hundred K gravel races are almost like the speed work for the all day rider. Uh, if you think about that, right. Sometimes the marathoners, you know, a lot of their speed is at the, the half marathon. So sometimes I like to think about it like that, like your speed work is sort of that discipline underneath, uh, which is, you know, a little loose, but that's the idea. And then the other thing I thought Brooke talked about, and, and you mentioned this too, is he would go on mountain bike rides, but with his bike, like, but loaded at the goal weight. He might not have the exact stuff in the bag, but he would, I don't know if he used sandbags or what he used, uh, 
he would go and, and actually like and almost over, you know, what is this called? Underbiking is their new trendy thing for saying, you know, riding a, you know, a bike that's not as well prepared uh, on the trail. So he would take it onto single track in Toronto uh, or wherever he was loaded and just see what he could do. And then he was really, really familiar with it so he could handle whatever he came across. And, you know, it would build fitness, I think, a little bit, too, when we're talking about the specific phase. Um, I mentioned, you know, that bikepacking tempo is the one workout that's in that uh, that plan that we talked about that's in the Training Peaks store. And I think all that is is just a long tempo that sort of undulates on rolling terrain. And, and I think trying to get some of that cadence, even if it's artificially low, just because we suspect that if it's a hilly thing you're going to end up grinding away for a while uh, so trying to replicate that and just by using your bike you probably are going to find that type of intensity and cadence i suspect so i think that's that's the main secret um i don't think i guess the last philosophy piece on training is just i don't think that it needs to be extreme like i think sometimes people get really tired training for these long endurance races and i think if you come in pretty fit and your gear and your preparation and your food is is quite dialed, which does require, as we talked about, some specific long stuff. There's no way around that. Um, but I think sometimes, you know, it's it's that inverted U I always talk about where we go three hours, four hours. When does the risk outweigh the benefit of that extra riding? Yeah, and I know you were just talking to someone about prepping for 24 hours, and I certainly have exactly this prepping the same, for the 100-miler, yeah. talking about, like, oh, do I do sleep deprivation? Do I, do I you know, train in the middle of the night? And I would say... No, uh, the only thing would be making sure that you can ride at like comfortably at night with your lights, like making sure your light setup and stuff are dialed, but you don't need to do a ton of night riding to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you can teach their own, but I think it's more the gear setup that we're trying to get at. So, you know, you can go for a, a night ride after work or something. It's Heck, great. in the next month, you'll be able to go for a night ride Which at again is, if you listed out all the stuff you're going to need to have, if, especially if you're doing an FKT, like you're going to have to have a headlamp if you're going to keep riding. So, you know, that's what you can do this fall is go out and ride. And, and again, it doesn't have to be sleep deprivation where you're not sleeping for a whole night. Uh, but it, it can be, you know, you ride till 10 or 11 maybe. Right. And then you're just a little bit to bed. So I think that's, that's the idea with that, but I don't think we need to replicate the seven day. This sounds obvious, but you don't need to ride seven days before you do seven days of bike packing. Don't think that's obvious. Well, that sounds ludicrous, right? But you do see this. And again, where is the crossover where we don't have to do it, right? The 100-mile runner doesn't need to do 100 miles before they do it. So do they need to do 50? And I, I can't really give you that answer, but um, it's not, you don't have to completely replicate it. So you want to think, you know, how can I be healthy, uninjured, and as fit as I can for cycling and then prepared? And that's our big thing is this gear, the preparation for it. Perfect. All right. Anything else? No, I think that's bikepacking. And great question. If anyone else has a how do I train for, I guess we can go through this and, and do that. But any questions are welcome and you can do that via Instagram. Yep. Head over to at consummate athlete on Instagram or just go to the contact page over at consummateathlete.com. We also have plenty of fun stuff over there from silly sandals to just excellent articles. So check that out, consummateathlete.com and all the links will be in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening and remember to rate and review if you love this episode. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox.